This is Visedia, the source for inclusive, actionable dialogue on funding and creating a better world. If you're building the future, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Skylar Cole. Before we start the show, I'd like to share that if you're listening to the audio podcast, we're also on YouTube. You can watch this episode there as well as check out video exclusive content. If you're already watching from YouTube, thank you. Today, I am so excited to talk with Nana Brichu and Janice Newson, co-founders of Lillian Augusta. Nana and Janice are social entrepreneurs creating hair solutions for black women. Frustrated with their own experiences of irritation and wearing braiding hair, they decided to innovate and make a high quality and sustainable alternative to the traditional classic braiding hair found in beauty supply stores across the country. Their plant-based braiding hair is just the beginning becoming the premier company for sustainable black hair care products. Now let's get started. Nana, Janice, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks yeah, so much it's great for to be us. here. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for our conversation. Um, I just think this is ama- amazing work you're doing. Uh, so to start, uh, will you share your backgrounds and how you two uh, met each other? So Janice and I actually met while we were graduate students at the University of Michigan. Funny enough, we met in the state of Oregon for a sustainability conference of sorts. And I noticed she had a Michigan sticker and we thought, wow, we're both black women at Michigan. We don't know each other. Let's hang out when we get back to Michigan. So we started doing that. And one evening we went out and Janice recently had braids and was experiencing all sorts of discomfort, that itchy scalp, skin acne, and neck pain that we all know of. And she was complaining to me about it. And I kind of was laughing at her because I, you know, I just figured she would know like, this is what you get when you wear braids. Like, this is the pain that comes with it. And we just have to put up with it and keep it pushing. But from that conversation, we started to really deep dive deeper into just like beyond our personal discomfort with the product that it's made from low-grade carcinogenic plastics that could have health implications for us. We know that Black women, young and old, use this product, and who knows what we're exposing ourselves to long-term. And then to make matters worse, when you're done with the hairstyle, you cut off the plastic hair, and that's another form of plastic pollution. So that didn't sit well with us, that people are continuing to buy this product time and time again, experiencing discomfort, hurting the environment, and hurting ourselves, essentially. So that kind of helped us go towards a plant-based alternative. So we both have a background in like plant science and ecology. So we only, it was like a natural thing to like want to use a plant-based option. So we are just so excited to be doing this full-time. We have a entrepreneurship and residence fellowship from Carbon 180 that allows us to do that. We're also in the Desai Accelerator for recent Michigan grads, which has given us such great mentorship and has helped us along our way. That is so awesome. I'm wondering, so what kind of meeting and having the synergy at the um, um, at the conference and then having both ba- both backgrounds in, in plant sciences, what makes you the right team to do this now uh, and work on Lillian Augusta? Yeah, well, for one, we're well-versed in sustainability and we want to bring that experience into the venture to be able to ensure that it's not just something that we're saying is green, but it's actually something that is making an impact environmentally with reducing plastic pollution. 
Plus, we both wear braids. We have intimate experiences with the issues that our customers have. You know, we've dealt with the itchy scalp and the skin acne and the braids being heavy and washing them in apple cider vinegar. We've done all that. And that's something unique for braiding hair since the mainstream brands are not black owned. If you were to go into a beauty supply store and buy braiding hair, it's not being sold by someone that would wear braids. It's, that's just the case at the moment. And on top of all of that, with the Crown Act banning hair discrimination, natural hair is proliferating more and more each day. Conscious consumption is on the rise. Now is the time for this to happen. Like we need plant-based hair today. There's just so many aspects to the issue, whether it's production, who's selling it, the quality. Um, so really happy to see you guys working on this. So now let's let's dive into uh, Lillian Augusta and what. We've kind of talked about it, but if you could say your mission and what what is the ultimate goal of your work here? Yeah, absolutely. So we are just so excited to have the opportunity to build something for Black women, by Black women. As you can see, I also have some braids in. So, you know, I need this product. We all need it. Like, it's ridiculous. I'm still wearing this plastic hair. I've been wearing it since I was a kid. And it's ridiculous that we have so many people walking around with plastic on their heads without having any knowledge of that, you know? So for us, plant-based braiding hair is our flagship product, but we hope to expand and meet all the hair care needs that Black women have. And we really wanna be innovators in this space. So not only is sustainability important to us, but transparency is key too. So many of these brands selling braiding hair at the beauty supply store are not disclosing the ingredients, where it's made, all these weird coatings like antibacterial coatings and whatnot. What does that mean? What is it actually in the hair? We have no idea. So it's just so concerning that people are using this and there's no one regulating the space. So we really want to set the industry standard of what sustainable black hair care looks like. That is so awesome. And I just want to highlight what you said that so many Black women have been using these products, are using these products since children, not just, you know, adult women. Um, it's a problem. So uh, such a big uh, portion of the population around the world, not just the United States, is using it, right? There's not regulation. What, what's really, uh, what are we really using? Um, so I'm wondering, how did you come up with the name Lillian Augusta? So we had a name because we were applying to things and we just needed a name to put on applications. And the name wasn't that great. It was taken actually, some other company had the same name. So we were trying to think of another name and we went to this startup fair and we saw another black hair care company and it had a really nice name. And we asked her how she came up with the name and she said it was her grandmother. And I was just like, wow, that's so beautiful. I wish I could name something after my grandmother. And then Nana said, okay, that is the name of the company. So that's when we decided to name our company Lillian Augusta. And it really points to our appreciation of fearless women, amazing women. You know, my grandmother, she left the South at a very young age and forged her own path and moved to Chicago. And she's like a very strong matriarch in my family. So it's really showing our appreciation for other amazing women. I love that. Um, it's kind of the legacy thinking about historically and, and bringing that to the present and the strength. That's really wonderful. Um, so we've talked about it a little bit, but I think a lot of uh, listeners won't exactly understand some of the things we said with itchy scalp and braids and a lot of the terminology may be uh, a little un unknown or confusing. So can you break it down a little bit so 
why black hair? What are these pain points, if you could say it, uh, maybe for someone who, who's not uh, so versed in this area? Sure. So synthetic braiding hair is added to styles like twists, box braids, and cornrows, and it helps us achieve that look that we're going for when going, you know, with a protective style. So Kineclon is a blend of polyacrylonitrile and polyvinyl chloride. These are really cheap plastics. They are known to cause cancer and they are sold specifically to folks in the black community. You really can't find Kinecolon at your local Walmart or Target. You have to go to an ethnic beauty supply store and that's where you'll readily see those products. So um, that's what the use is for. And for us, that doesn't make sense. Why are we using something so cheap and so potentially harmful to the environment and ourselves. So the plant-based hair only makes sense because it's biodegradable, it's comfortable for consumers, so we won't experience that itchy scalp, skin acne, and neck pain. And I guess just to add to the journey, um, women that know that the hair is made from plastic and experience that irritation will typically wash braiding hair in apple cider vinegar before they install the protective style. And when doing so, you're just um, neutralizing the alkaline coating typically found on plastic hair. And sometimes you'll see some nasty white foam coming out of the hair when you wash it. And then afterwards you have to let it dry. It could take eight to 12 hours to do so before you put it in your head. So it's just so inconvenient to go through that process. Like you said, it is a process. <laughs> Just to just to get ready to, to use uh, some of the products. Um, and you're right, I hadn't really thought about it being so readily available uh, in yeah, more ethnic or black beauty supply stores versus kind of other stores. So glad you brought that up. We've also t- we've talked about kind of the what what is the issue of the black hair, but also the environmental impact is uh, a, a really big area you're working on. Can you talk a little bit more about that pain point from a v- environmental aspect? Of course. So we've looked at some numbers on how much hair is actually being worn. Mintel does a annual report on black hair care. So looking at that and seeing how much people wear braids, how often they wear braids, we estimate about 97.8 million pounds of plastic that come from braiding hair alone each year. And that's just the United States. And as you mentioned, Black women around the world wear braids. So if you take into consideration other countries, that number likely grows exponentially. So there's a lot of plastic that's being tossed out every single time someone's getting their hair done. You know, it's not like you can recycle it along with your water bottles. It's just something that you throw out and you don't think about it again. And that that piles up, you know, plastic pollution is a really big issue, which is why having this plant base is so important. We really want to have the minimal amount of plastic at all. We don't want any plastic in our hair. We're looking at making minimal plastic packaging, hopefully transitioning that to no plastic in our packaging at all, just to be able to alleviate that environmental issue in some way possible. We're doing the hair care front of plastic pollution. I love that. Hair care front of plastic pollution. We've kind of talked about um, why you two decide to come together and have the synergy and kind of the perfect timing to start working on this and uh, talked about a little bit of the support you've had, but why do you think that um, other people haven't taken both this science and safety approach? Uh, like we said, this is a huge problem walking around every day. Um, 
and we don't even we don't even really know the full impact of both the health uh, and kind of the societal aspect of, of hair as well as the environmental. Um, so why 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 hasn't this been done? Exactly. So you know when we walk into a ethnic beauty supply store, you know the stuff is low quality and it's cheap and you don't know what's really in it. But this is what's marketed towards us. This is what works and this is what's available. So it just feels like that's the only option. And the folks running this from manufacturing to distribution do not look like us, like Janice said. So if people don't look like us and they don't understand our pain points, but they're selling something to us, of course, they're not going to understand how they can make the product better and, you know, change a whole industry in that respect. So we're just so fortunate to have this opportunity to do that. We've seen so much innovation when it comes to shampoos, creams, and conditioners for Black women. But when it comes to braiding hair and other extensions at large, that's not really taking place. So there's a huge gap in the market. And unfortunately, there aren't many people that understand this pain point from the management side of things. So for us, experiencing the pain knowing how to solve it, it just makes sense that we go forth with this. That makes a, a whole lot of sense. Um, so now I'd love to talk more about the product itself. And kind of after you got this idea to do plant-based braiding here, what were your first thoughts or steps to kind of make a product and, and where are you now? So neither of us have a business background. We are both natural scientists by training. So we've done a lot of work with plants, but then we had to figure out how do we turn this into a business? So at first we were just sitting in the library talking about what do we want to make the hair out of? You know, that's pretty much how this started. And then we started applying to grants from our university. We got involved with the Entrepreneur Center in business school. And we ended up spending a lot of time there, almost going there every week to figure out what's next. You know, how do you make a business plan? What should be in a business pitch? And we went from sitting in the library to now we've raised over $100,000 in grants. I'd love to um, kind of talk just a little bit more about that, uh, if possible, kind of the process. Because I, I feel like it can be hard for some entrepreneurs at the start. So like we have this idea, we have this vision, and then to start getting resources. Um, so I'm wondering if kind of was it, are, are those resources really just so readily available and you need to tap into those? Or kind of maybe if you could share a little advice to someone who has an idea uh, just based off what you've experienced so far. Yeah, I would say it seems very daunting, but you just got to go out there and find those opportunities. Look at local universities or other organizations that can help students. Even if you're not a student, there's so many ways you can join a group on Facebook or on LinkedIn for entrepreneurs and have others that are kind of on that same journey of figuring things out. But I would say the biggest thing is just going forth and doing it, you know, take one step and then the rest will kind of follow along. So if you, if you want it, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. That, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. I'd love to talk more about the product itself and kind of after you got this idea to do plant-based braiding here, what were your first thoughts or steps to kind of make a product and, and where are you now? Yeah, so after we won our first grant, we were like, okay, we've got a little bit of money. Let's actually try and do this. So we decided to start with Phragmites as our plant, which is an invasive wetland plant in the Midwest and across the country, meaning that people are paying money to get rid of it. They're burning it. They're cutting it down. 
it's a huge nuisance and once it gets into an area it takes over the whole place so if there's one phragmites plant very soon it'll all be phragmites so we got some garden shears and went out there and started cutting it down ourselves we found a lab that would let us use their space and we got some time in that lab but unfortunately due to the pandemic the lab closed and we weren't able to go anymore and we were working with some students but they weren't able to do anything anymore either so then we said okay well, we still want to make hair we can't do the phragmites hair at the moment let's try to figure something out so we decided to put the phragmites on hold and do a bit of a pivot in another direction to see how we could achieve plant-based hair so now we're working on a different variety of plant-based hair and we're going to try and we're going to start some product testing in quarter one of 2021. Oh, that's super exciting and I'm quite amazed you just got your garden shears and went for it that is that is amazing uh and finding resources so even, even though um the you're pivoting and and you know still moving forward with COVID I do just want to ask about the Frigmites how did you think to I guess use like use those were are you familiar with those before yeah so Janice actually did some work with Phragmites while she was in school so she was saying like this is a great biomass source there's mm -hmm. millions of dollars spent on the removal of it and it's accessible you know it's right in our backyard it's mm -hmm. all over Michigan so it only made sense to start with that and then obviously as she explained we broadened our plant portfolio that that's amazing I was uh, going to ask later kind of what the effect of, of COVID, but uh, I'm wondering now, are, were there, in addition to having to make this pivot and, and look for different materials, um, has COVID affected uh, how you operate or work together in other ways? Yeah, so initially we were doing hands-on work and working with people in person, and now that's turned to remote working and sending things in the mail and mm -hmm. trying to convey what you're trying to achieve over the phone. So right. it has right. slowed things down as opposed to actually going into the lab and speaking directly to someone. But we are determined, you know, even mm -hmm. if the mail has slowed down or people are closing their offices for a few weeks, we'll, we will call back, we will email them back because we're going to make this happen. Uh, absolutely. Now you pivoting with the product, what do you see as your intended business model uh, when, you're, when you're ready? Yeah, of course. So we have a different model in place than what you typically see. So we plan on partnering with hairstylists that own their salon since, you know, everyone trusts their hairstylist. She's your go-to gal. And um, we just want to build strong relationships with them and have them act as brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So we'll be having a B2B approach in that sense. And then from there, we'll expand our direct to consumer offerings via an e-commerce platform. So we're just excited to get this in the hands of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just want to live in a world where little kids aren't working around with plastic in their heads because I was that kid and I didn't even know <laughs> that was going on. And I really hope that like maybe in 10 or 15 years from now, we'll look back on this and think, hmm, this yeah. isn't good. Why were we doing this? And why was this happening to us? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and on that point, I think you're right, bringing the awareness and something you mentioned earlier as well, kind of thinking that this is the only option when it comes to hair, when it comes to, you know, obtaining styles and, and 
a tanning style set allow you to kind of present and feel a certain way uh, when you are out and about and just, you you, know, you don't have to be around anyone. You want to feel uh, comfortable uh, wherever you are. Um, so it's just really realizing just how how big of a problem and, and not taking us as a status quo. So uh, for people who are, who are using the product and, and outside of the a main user base. As far as the business model and talking with um, and, and having this B2B model, uh, it just makes me think as well uh, on YouTube and content creators, how many people there are. And I, I would love to see some numbers on just kind of black content creators and, and hair in particular. Um, it just seems like there's so, so many outlets to kind of have a professional person uh, or, you know, someone with some expertise or some trust, like you said, uh, um, talk about your product I think the the importance of the hairstylist uh, can't can't be understated now I would uh, love to talk about kind of how you two operate as, as a small team and you've done a lot of work and uh, since it's not software um, so how do you manage and kind of delegate responsibilities in general and then in this context of not being able to necessarily uh, be in person all the time yeah so in the beginning it was kind of just whoever does it does it and then we decided okay maybe we need to be a little bit more structured you know one of us could work on one thing and another one could work on another so we meet every week and we just delegate tasks like okay Nana you'll do this I'll do that and then we'll check in with each other throughout the week to make sure things are getting done. Also wondering with kind of a of initially working with students or like students currently at the university um I guess, how, how did that work or kind of what role did, did they play at that stage? Great. So um, we were graduate students at the University of Michigan, and we reached out to different professors to see mm -hmm. if they had any sort of analogous system in place. Mm -hmm. So we were working with other graduate students to see if their protocol would lend itself to mm -hmm. what we're doing with Fred Mighties. Um, so it wasn't something where they were super involved. We only were able to send them a small sample. And then COVID hit, they weren't able to fully finish out those experiments. But it was great to see what their initial thoughts were and mm -hmm. other ideas that they had for us. Yeah, I, that's what I find so fascinating about. I have some some uh, background in, in college uh, and kind of chemistry, biochemistry and that kind of thing. Um, so just kind of finding parallels and, and systems that work not necessarily in your actual space, uh, I find it's just, it's just so fascinating. We've talked about some of the challenges uh, you faced, and I'm wondering if there are any other types of challenges uh, that we haven't really talked about that uh, you'd be willing to share. So since we talked to a lot of people that don't wear braids, a challenge is explaining what the entire process is about. So people may not be familiar with braiding hair, but maybe they're familiar with extensions. So we could use that as an analogous product and say, okay, well, this is something similar. However, you would braid it and it would be incorporated with your real hair and just really explaining what exactly goes on because people aren't familiar with how much hair you would buy or where you would get it from or who's going to put it in your head so that's a challenge that we continue to encounter but I think each conversation we have we get a little bit better with explaining it and I think too that you know while black women 
are a huge uh, consumer of, of extension hair. It's not necessarily like only black women use extensions. All types of women or you know, at some point maybe interested or use or hair extension. There, there are a lot of applications, um, whether it's hair loss. There's so many pain points associated with hair and adding additional hair. Um, and I think one thing, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this, but I, instead of synthetic hair, there's the option to use uh, human hair, but that's expensive. And like you said, it, it with um, braids, it takes a lot of hair and you want to get them redone. Uh, so that can definitely uh, be out of the budgets of, of a lot of people. Uh, we've talked about a lot of challenges, but I think you've had so many successes and would love to uh, hear hear about some of those. Sure. So we've been really fortunate to have folks at our university that really supported us along the way. As Janice mentioned, the um, ZLI, the Zellord Entrepreneurship Institute was super, super helpful for us. And even though we weren't in the business school, just having folks that we can lean on to was fabulous. So um, earlier this year, we um, won the Michigan Business Challenge, and that was really exciting for us. And additionally, earlier this year, in January, we learned that we were Carbon 180 Entrepreneurs in Residence. And there have just been so many great opportunities that we've come across so far. And of course, our accelerator has been super, super helpful too. It's a 10-month-long program. And it's really helped nurture our business development and growth. And it's a really close-knit cohort where we get to know everyone. Even though it is virtual, it's been a really wonderful experience to grow along with under, other, other entrepreneurs. Sorry, But um, yeah, I think we're just so fortunate to have folks that are excited about what we're doing and just people that are willing to connect us and speak with us and just help us advance our cause. Absolutely. And that's that's great to hear that the accelerator experience kind of remotely has is, is still been valuable. Um, definitely not all accelerators are the same and they fit different uh, businesses differently. So uh, that that's great to hear. What do you think has made it uh, such a great process, even though it's been remote? So it, it really is a good group of people. They care about our just success and they really want to see us shine they're always checking in with us and helping us think outside the box as well. We may get, you know, stuck in one problem and they say, okay, you need to take a step back, consider this. And we really appreciate having them on our side. We have some great mentors through this program. Definitely grateful to be a part of it. Hey everyone. I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to VCDM. I'm excited to connect with others hungry to build a better future. If you share the vision, I'd love to hear from you. For guests and partnership inquiries, send an email to hello at vcdia.com or DM on Twitter at the underscore vcdia. Also, please leave vcdia a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help. Now back to our conversation. Awesome. So this all sounds really exciting um, and as a future uh, consumer, I will be going to my hairstylist for this product. I can't wait to hear what's next and just generally can't wait to uh, see what's next for Lillian Augusta. So uh, what can we expect and, and how can we get involved or engage in some way uh, moving forward? Of course, be sure to sign up for updates on our launch in 2021 at lillianaugustahair.com. Also follow us on social media at lillianaugustahair. We are doing a survey at the moment. So if you do wear any styles with braiding hair, 
check out our social media for our survey. We'll be picking some people to win gift cards that are taking the survey. So be sure to fill that out. Fantastic. Um, and so you said, look, planning to launch uh, 2021. And are you looking to hire or expand your team uh, in any way? Yeah, of course, we're always looking for new folks to join. We're particularly looking to have a marketing person come on board and um, product management would be ideal to anyone that has expertise with supply chain. Awesome. Yes, please, if you're listening, if you have the expertise, I know you want to be on this team. So, and I'll link all your socials and website in the episode description so people can easily uh, uh, check you all out. So now we've come to the part of our episode, Geek Out, where guests get a few minutes just to talk about something that they nerd or geek out about that is separate from work. Uh, It could be something that you'd like to do if you had more time or something that you do have time for and make time for uh, that, that you love. So if you would, Nana, Janice, geek out. Sure. So I have played Mario games since I was a kid, and now I don't have as much time, but I do like to watch YouTube videos of other people playing. (laughs) And I know it probably makes like no sense. Like, why are you watching someone else play? But I really like it. And I will sit on YouTube and watch people play Mario games and review Mario games. I am the same way. Honestly, if you look at my YouTube history, it's a lot of Let's Plays. It's a lot of video game reviews. I'm a huge, huge gamer, so I can completely relate. That's awesome. I'm super into painting my nails, so I'm always trying to find the greenest nail polish companies Mm -hmm. out there that actually have a product that is durable. Mm -hmm. Do you have any uh, favorites, any green nail polish favorites? Right now, I'm really liking Olive and June. They have great customer service, too. I'm, I'm a big fan. So, um, yep, always trying the new nail polishes. If you have any recommendations, I would love to hear. I love having my nails done, but I don't have the patience to do it. So, <laughs> But uh, definitely have a, a lot of girlfriends who are actually can do their nails in. So definitely we'll pass that along and, and share that as well. Um, so, well... Nana, Janice, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you and look forward to more from Lillian Augusta. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and check us out on YouTube. If you're interested in being featured or know someone who should, send us an email at hello also, connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Visidia for more from our guests, Visidia, and the future of inclusive investment and innovation ecosystems. You can also follow me on Twitter at Skylar Cole. Until next time.